our Advent series. And we even took a break last week and preached about how to celebrate the new year. But today we're going back to our topic, our new life in Christ. Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, but now, but now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth. And then verse 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that we'd allow you to speak to our hearts. And we know that you said your words, they are life and they are spirit. And I pray, God, we'd allow the Spirit of God to move within us. That today we will be challenged to live our lives in a better way that pleases you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. The Bible says that we're to put off all, A-L-L, of these things. How many know what the word all means? Every last one. And the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter who you are. And by the way, Rick, thank you for that song. And here's the, the great thought about that, Brother Rick. You take it personally, I take it personally. You're saved, you take it personally. But whether you believe it or not, Jesus died for you. Don't forget that. Thank you, Brother Rick. But the problem that we have, sin has affected all of us. The Bible says that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That's all of us. And so no one here today lives up to what God created us to be. But the very moment, the very nanosecond, if that's a word, we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, a new relationship with God was established. Let me remind you of something, folks. Only Jesus can save you. The church cannot do it. No church can save you. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. But the moment we were saved, we began a brand new relationship with God. Now let me just camp here for a second. Many, many years ago, I was giving an oak to General Motors, and one man that I knew needed a ride home. He lived in our area. 
over off of Icoth Road. And I said, can you give me a ride home? I said, sure. And uh, I hadn't been saved very long, but I wanted to tell him about Jesus. What little bit I knew about Jesus anyway. And I'll never forget what he said to me. Man, this has been 40 years ago at least. He said, there's no person alive can live up to the demand of this book. And I honestly didn't know how to reply. But then some years went by and I realized, you know what, he's right. No one can live up to the requirements of this book on their own power. And that's why it's so important to realize that we have to have a personal relationship with God. And I know that through the years, I've seen it, you've seen it, whether people come forward and cry or whatever they do, and I'm not against that. We're emotional people. Would God designed us that way? But understand, unless you have a daily walk with God, unless you have entered into an intimate relationship with God, you have not been born again. I don't care what the preacher told you. I don't care how many times you've been baptized. If you are not walking daily with God, you have not been born again. Well, I will, you can back, I realize that, but there your, your desire to get back to where you were. And so it, it's important to understand. In order to live up to the demands of the Word of God, two things have to happen. Number one, the Spirit of God has to live in us. Amen. And if you are born again, God's Spirit lives in you. Paul told us in Romans chapter 8, if you ha- I don't have the verse, Alan. If you have not the Spirit of God, you are none of His. You don't belong to Him. The day you confess Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit moved in. So why? Well, number one, we need His strength to live this life. And the Spirit of God comforts us He guides us to know the truth, God's truth. He reminds us of the words of Jesus. But also understand the Spirit of God will point out when we do not obey the Word of God. The Spirit of God can give us the right words to say and fill us with power to do good. We cannot live the Christian life without the Spirit of God. But thank God when you're saved, the Spirit of God moves in. But the second thing we need to understand, not only living by the Spirit, we have to begin to look to Jesus. I heard a good story the other night from a friend of mine who had been saved for quite a few years. And uh, 
years ago, he and his wife attended our church, and we, in fact, they're about our age, and our, their kids are about the same age as our kids. And I told them I was going to tell their story in church. I didn't know it was today or not. And I'm talking about the Spirit of God and looking to Jesus, you know. And uh, he said one night they were out on visitation, him and Brother Fields, some of you remember Brother Fields, and another lady from our church, he didn't remember who she was, and they went to the apartment building right down the road here. And, of course, they were knocking on doors. And they were on the third floor. And, you know, three three apartments on the third floor. First door to the right, said we knocked on that door, and the man who came out was not happy with us. And so he said we, you know, thought, well, we'll move on. He said the, the man just kept standing there with his hand against the wall like this. So he said we went to apartment number two and apartment number three, and we turned around, and Daryl said, I, I told you Daryl was going to tell you, put, call your name out. Daryl Swenson was his name. And uh, Daryl said we turned around, and uh, the man was still standing there. And Daryl told me, he said, you know, I, I was a young Christian. And at that time, and I've known Daryl all over here since then, we've worked together, done a lot of things together, worked on his house, and uh, he was a bodybuilder. And before he got saved, he was kind of rough. So he said, I'm thinking, Lord, I'm a new Christian, and I don't want to ruin my testimony. So he said to me, that, to Pam and I, that night, I didn't know what else to do, but to look to Jesus. I said, Lord, what should, what should I do here? So he said, I don't know why, but all of a sudden, he said, I began to pray out loud. And I prayed, Lord, whatever you do, help me not to throw that man through that window. <laughs> now, I want to tell you, I, what I told him was this. I said, Daryl, what you should have done was thrown him through the window and then ask for forgiveness. Well, Brother Paul reminded me that Daryl did the right thing for it. He looked to Jesus. What am I going to do? Nonetheless, the guy decided he wasn't going to stay in the hallway anymore. He went back. That true story now. I know, I've known Daryl Swinton for a year. Uh, for years, not a year. For years. Some of you know him. And he's really a man of God. And he still has got a heart for God to this day. But we've got to look to Jesus for what to do. And when we, we look to him and, and we, we realize that what he says for us to do, his commands, they are really... Obeying them is the way we show we love him. Because Jesus, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, by the way, I hope you don't see God's word as rules we have to obey. That's not what it is. Now, certainly they are. But I hope the reason you obey these commandments, these rules, is because we love him. And we want to honor him with our Lives. So not that we have to. So remember, once we are saved, we're truly born again, not playing church, not just repeated words, but we've got a hold of the throne of God. We've cried out with a heart, Jesus, save me. He will. From that point on, we're under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're also under the guidance of the Holy 
spirit. And from the moment we are saved, our lives have to be based on faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Our lives are based on faith. Our lives are motivated by love. And our lives, now that we're saved, are characterized by joy, peace, and growth. That's being born again. So why do we live in the Spirit? Why do we look to Jesus? The reason we do that is so we can live a different kind of life. And i got to tell you, folks, when I got saved, I was sick of the old life. I was sick of the, who I was. And I realized I couldn't change myself. I had tried. And I simply couldn't change myself. And I'm so glad there came a time in my life when I really believed that Jesus died for me personally. And oh, what a difference that's made. It made a difference in my life. It's made a difference in our, in our children's life. It's made a difference in one of my sisters and one of my brother's lives. All because of what God did for me. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, mercy. <laughs> I remember what Curtis Booth told me years ago. He's kind of my hero in the faith. Great man of God. Pray for him. He's lost his wife about a year ago and he's retired now. And I'm sure he's not liking that part of it. He told me a long time, he said, Brother Rollin, I've never met a Christian who said they were sorry, but I've sure met a lot of sorry Christians. <laughs> and I hope today, I pray that you're not a sorry Christian. Be a woman, be a man of God, and show the world that Jesus Christ has made a difference in your life. And so, <laughs> the Bible tells, and that's why we're kind of, that different kind of life, uh, Paul describes in Colossians chapter 3. And that's why we've been here for so long. So many things to draw out uh, from our text this morning. You see, our, our, our old ways, once we're saved, our old ways die. And now we've got a brand new life, and that new life is hidden with Christ in God. And with that new life, if you're born again, comes a brand new desire. And that brand new desire is a desire to be like Christ. Amen. Glory to God. I want to be like Him. The Apostle Paul tells us, and I don't have the verse for that today, Alan, but Paul said that everything he had gained in life was nothing more than waste when it comes to knowing Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. So salvation is free. We don't do things to earn it. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. Faith plus nothing. Amen. Faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. So that part's free. But now that we're born again, now that we are saved, we have the responsibility of putting to death our old man, that old nature. And I want to tell you something. That old man is ugly. Amen. He's vile. He's deceitful. And we've got to put him to death. So we've been working our way through Colossians 3. And 
I am so thankful that God's word is practical. And here in chapter 3 of Colossians, the Bible gives us some very practical instructions on how to put the old man to death. And what we have to do, we've got to get rid of every trace of worldliness. Look again in verses 8 and 9. Colossians 3. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, put the communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds. So what's the Bible teach? Now that I am born again, now that I have experienced the new life in Christ, the Bible says we're to live like it. We're to act it out every day in our lives. And so right away, the challenge is to put off the old man in every area. Not just one or two, but in every area. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. And we haven't got uh, to verse uh, 9 yet, but we're also to stop lying. Six things. Three have to do with anger, and three have to do with your tongue. Anybody got a tongue here this morning? Amen. Now, we finished up pretty well the first five. The last we looked at was in verse 8, filthy communication out of your mouth. And we're not going to spend a lot of time dissecting that. We did that a few weeks ago. But it really boils down to crude talk, uh, abrasive language, uh, even using expletives. Now, it's interesting. <coughs> Paul says, stop it. Get rid of it. Stop your filthy communication. Well, why would that matter? I mean, what's, you know, well, here's the thing. I shared this a few weeks ago. Wrong communication always affects our relation with God. Always. Let's read our verses again. 1 John 1, 5 and 6. This then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you, here it is, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Verse 6. If we say, That we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie not, I'm sorry, we lie and do not the truth. Please understand something. The day you got saved, a brand new relationship. We began to have fellowship with God. But that fellowship we have with God is only maintained... As we walk in the light. Think about that. Only as we walk in the light. So the question is, how can I have a proper relationship with God if my communication is perverse, if my communication is dark, If my communication is sinful, how can I have a proper relationship with God? The answer is you can't. 
You cannot. Why? We're walking in darkness. And so, if we are going to have good fellowship, a great fellowship with God, we have to walk in obedience to His commands on how we're to talk. His command about communication. Now I realize that for the most part we communicate with our tongue, our mouth. But how many know there are other ways to communicate? Isn't that true? So the question we're dealing with today is how is your relationship, how is my relationship with God? Look at the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Think about this. That little, well, we cut it little, member of our body, the tongue. Our tongue can do good, has the power to do good, or it has the power to do evil. How many here carry a pocket knife? Any Anybody carry a pocket knife? I, I, I quit. I, I lose them all the time. Uh, years ago, I bought one from a company, I can't name the name, a good, well-known company, but they guaranteed if you lost it, they'd replace it. Well, I got embarrassed. I quit asking for another one. But a lot of guys, man, they pried that pocket knife. I mean, they sharpen it up. I remember one time, years ago, I was at General Motors, and this guy, he kept even pr- And I, I had a piece of cardboard when I cut. Hey, let me borrow your pocket knife. I thought he was going to kill me. Use my pocket knife to cut cardboard with? Ain't no way. But I want to suggest to you tonight, this morning, the tongue can be sharper than any knife. It is very sharp. Be careful where you lay it. Think about this. No matter how big the fire might be, it didn't start that way. They don't start out big. A fire doesn't. A fire does not start out destructive. Fires always start small. But even that small spark has a potential for great damage. The potential is there. And the same is true with the words we speak with our tongue. Compared to other members of our body, our arms and our legs, the tongue is a small part of our body. But my friend... It can cause tremendous havoc. It can cause tremendous problems. Not just for us. But so often, we use our tongue and we hurt innocent people. James, I think, said it good. Verses 5 and 6, chapter 3. James said, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, 
how great a matter a little fire kindles, kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Wow. Think about that. Think about what the Bible says about our tongue. So when I think about being a child of God, I think it's important that to understand, to know what is acceptable. Some of you use slang words you shouldn't be using. Amen. Well, preacher, everybody else does it, so what? Well, it's not really using God's name in vain. I don't care. There's words you use that you shouldn't be using. And so we, we need to learn to know what is acceptable. Is what I'm saying, is what I'm speaking, Lord, is that acceptable before you? Now, I'm not into social media. I've told you that before. But if you are, what are you messaging? Think about that. What about what you say on Facebook? Is it good or is it evil? Now, what we read from Paul's letter to Church of Colossae, filthy communication. Get rid of it because it will affect our walk with God. And we cannot be living in the darkness of filthy communication and have fellowship with God at the same time. It doesn't work. You've got one or the other. And that also includes our reactions. We need to learn to control our reactions even when we're falsely accused. We need to learn to control our actions even when the communications are sinful and hurtful. We need to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 5, 39. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Church, hear me well. If you are born again, if you name the name of Christ, including myself, we have a responsibility to represent Christ in a lost world. The world needs to know that Jesus Christ can make a difference in their lives. And they have to see that difference in our lives. And one important value that we have to build up in our lives is proper and godly communication. Folks, that is so vital as we represent Christ in this world. 
We need to learn to show respect for ourselves. We need to show respect to our family. And we need to show especially respect to our church family. My friend, we're a part of the family of God. How many are glad? And as Jesse said, come together, we encourage one another. We provoke one another, not to bad things, but to love and to good works. But also, my friends, we need to show respect even to the unsaved. Now think about that. Because maintaining godly relationships between brothers and sisters in Christ is so important if we don't do it by biblical precepts, it will affect our ability to serve and to worship God. Now, I don't like to say things without some verses to back it up. Matthew 5, verses 23 through 24. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. And then come and offer your gift. Now I realize this is the New Testament days and they were still bringing offerings to the synagogue, tabernacle, to give to God. And Jesus says, if you come and you're coming to God's presence to worship, you've got to come with a pure heart. Now, I realize that we don't bring lambs to sacrifice or sheep. We don't put the blood over the doorpost. But when we come to God's house, we come to offer a sacrifice of praise. We come to worship God. So it doesn't matter whether it was then, under the Old Testament economy, or now, in the church age. Anyone who wants to come into God's presence to worship has to have a pure heart. The psalmist, I don't have the verse, Alan, don't look for it there. In Psalm 24, ask a question. Who can approach the hill of God? Who can stand in his presence? And then in verse 4, he answers this question. Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. My friend, when we come in God's presence to worship him, we need to come with clean hands and a pure heart. We cannot come hindered by broken relationships that we have the power to fix. Now, I find it kind of interesting. I remember the first time I I came across this verse. It was in Sunday school years and years and years ago. And I'll never forget I had it backwards. I thought it was about me doing somebody wrong. 
or somebody doing me wrong. It was about me. But this verse doesn't focus on my anger, but on somebody else on how they feel toward me. Think about that. So Jesus says, when you're going to my house, when you're going to worship, and you remember that somebody has something against you, you need to realize, hey, you know, I can't go through this worship until I go and be reconciled to the offended brother or sister. I've got to take care of horizontal business before I take care of vertical business. Church, hear me well. If your relationship with your fellow man or woman is not right in the eyes of God, your fellowship with him will not be right. God will call our hand on it. We need to make sure we set things right. Sincerely apologize. Seek forgiveness. Repent of what you've done before God and move on in your worship and service. Now let me throw something else in free of charge. Don't go to a person and say, If I have offended you, why? Because you have. You may not have meant to, but you have. Or they think you have. You go to them and say, you know what? I know I've offended you. You were offended at me. And I want to make things right. Now I want to come and let you know I'm genuinely sorry. And I'm also confessing to God, I'm repenting of that. Anybody here have an opinion? Huh? Well, I would say if you got a nose, you got an opinion, right? We all do. And I believe that everyone has a right to their opinion as long as it lines up with God's Word. Okay? As long as it lines up with God's Word. But I also believe that everyone has a right to be treated with dignity. Amen. Even the lost. Because my friend, the only difference between me and the worst lost person out there is grace. That's it. They deserve to be treated with dignity. Now think about this. What if Jesus demanded his rights? Think about that. If Jesus demanded his rights, he would not have died on the cross. He wouldn't have. If Jesus had his rights, he wouldn't have died on the cross, and you and I would be condemned for eternity in hell. So be careful about your rights. Be careful. Let me give you a couple of principles here. Number one, what you say might be technically right. But the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit makes it wrong. Somebody should say amen. And by the way, a little bit of advice here. If you think you absolutely have to speak your mind, don't. <laughs> 
Amen. Don't. That was free. Second of all, make your attitude and your response in any situation a serious matter of prayer. And never forget, I might be the one with the problem. The problem might be me with a wrong attitude. So we need to ask God, give us insight. Help me to determine the right behavior in every situation that might cause me to become angry. And again, this is all part of communication. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 9, Solomon wrote this. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Wow. And let's be honest. I don't think I'm wrong here. All of us want to be respected. All of us want other people to treat us with dignity. And we should do the same to them. And the Bible is very clear that being treated with dignity is one of the values that's necessary for life. And the Bible is very clear about this. We are to respect our parents. We are to respect those in authority. We're to respect church leadership. And my friend, we're to respect one another. And we talk about being born again, acting it out. That's what Paul's talking about here in Colossians 3. Being respectful and courteous to people is one of the great evidences we know God personally. Amen. How we treat people. How we respond to them. The amount of respect we show to those in leadership positions. All of those are a good reflection of our true heart condition toward God. My friend, God came to change us from the inside out. So how about us? How about you and I? What what could people glean from us about how respectful or disrespectful we are to other people around us? What are they learning? How's our testimony? Would how we live help them to determine that we have a good heart relationship with God? Is that what they're seeing? Or what they see in our lives, does it make them think we have a bad heart relationship with God? Mark 7, verse 6, Jesus said this. He answered and said unto them, Well, has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites as it is written this people honors me with their lips but their hearts is far from me church never forget salvation is a heart issue not that thing that pumps your blood but our whole body soul and spirit it is indeed a heart issue now remember the command is clear look at verse 8 
But now ye also put up all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, out of your mouth. So no matter which one it is on that list, these behaviors have no place in your life if you're born again. They shouldn't be there. And by the way, they shouldn't be in the church. Amen. We have to make a decision We are going to put these things off. Why? Because these things ought to be repulsive to us. And by the way, again, altogether six things. Three about anger, three about speech. Put them off. And we have to put them off. So we can put on the attitude of Christ. The attitude of Christ. Now, by the way, there's a danger here. There's a danger whether it be a, the church as a whole or sometimes Christian himself, they get sort of caught up in focusing only on one or two of these on the list and forget about the others. Paul said, put them all off. From the first to the last. But also, now, now think about this, and it's true for most of us. You know, uh, we think about any type of sexual sin. There are many of them. And we are horrified by that. And yet, you know, we don't mind backbiting. That's not so bad. I mean, I, I told somebody some time ago, I said, I never started rumors, but I do spread them. You know, and, and we, we laugh and joke about that. But in God's eye, that's serious. Paul said, put them all off. But then at the other end of the spectrum, uh, some, some churches are, want so much to keep peace, they will never confront sin. Even sexual sin. And that is to the extreme. So the bottom line is, whether uh, which extreme we go from the left or the right on that, the Bible doesn't leave room for that kind of behavior. The Bible says, get rid of them all. And I even hate to go here. The question came up, Lord, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? We know what you say. We, 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 we read the command, it's clear. So, Lord, what's wrong with us? Well, the problem is our hearts and minds were rebellious against God. And when our minds are darkened, our heart becomes darkened. And then we have darkened behavior. And because we were lost without Christ, the question we have to ask is, what else could an unregenerate unregenerated heart generate except that. That's why we must be born from above. Because you take darkened minds and we add darkened hearts with that, it always equals darkened behavior. Paul says, now you. 
And he's writing to people who at one time were pagans. We were too. That's what that dark, simple nature did. Because sin has a narcotic effect on persons, and sin has a narcotic effect on cultures. The Bible says it, there's a pleasure in sin for a season. So some, for a short while it feels good and it's fun. But there comes a point it begins to break down. It breaks us down. And if we allow, we allow that to continue in our lives, it will deaden us to what is good, to what is true, and to what is right. And when we're dealing with that, with moral and ethical darkness, we have to remember that kind of behavior is consistent with darkened, deadened hearts. So when we tend to lean that direction, we have to run to Jesus. And let God's light shine in our lives. And pray, Lord, whatever area it is in my life, bring a change. And you hear me say it often. It begins right here. It begins with ourself. And whatever you do, church, and we're still talking about communic- the right kind of communication. Don't let our culture define our moral standard. Ever. Oh, my goodness. I'll hurry real quick. The solution. Romans 12, first two verses. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, except one to God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I had a lot I could have said here about this, but let me give you three quick things. Number one, present your body a living sacrifice. Lord, here I am. Use me. Number two, refuse to be conformed to this world. Number three, Allow the Word of God, the Spirit of God, to transform your mind. Let God renew your mind. And my friend, when you do that, you'll live differently. You'll be different. You will be different. Let's stand together. Father, I pray today that You would give us a new way of thinking. Give us a heart determined to be conformed to you rather than to this world. And Father, help us to remember that we will never be truly transformed unless we allow you to do that work in us. Lord, we want to put all of these things off. 
they are repulsive to us. They are repulsive to me, Lord. And Lord, I confess, I need your help. The things I want to do, I find myself not doing. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Thank God for your Holy Spirit. It cleanses me and draws me to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. We always do. You can pray where you are, no doubt about it.